0: Hello and welcome back. Well, it's been a while to the Seriously Good Podcast. I'm your host, Casey Evans. If you didn't remember that, I wouldn't blame you. It has been a long time. And joining me, as always, is my co host, Danny Corcoran. How are you today, Danny? How have you been? What have you been up to?
1: <laughs> what have I been up to? Not much. Um Christmas and New Year, you know. I mean, when was the last time we did this? It was with it was with Alex, right?
0: So yeah. It, that was a long time it ago. Was, it was a while ago. Um, I, I should probably have actually looked up the exact dates to give you know some context to this. I've
1: got the
0: 18th of the 8th. 18th of the 8th. So a long,
1: a long, long time ago. So um, August, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the start of the season. Um, lots has happened. There's only one man that can bring us back, which is what we'll get on to, but yeah. I've been good. How have you been?
0: I've been fine. I've got, I've got, I've got some new recording equipment. If you can all tell, it's a new microphone. So I hope, I hope all this. You're listening to the crisp ASMR of my silky tones, all the way from Manchester. Danny is also using a microphone, but he also looks like he's locked in what appears to be the basement of Daredevil because it's just pitch black <laughs> with one red light illuminating his face.
1: Um, it's the aesthetic
0: vibes. The aesthetic <laughs> vibes of just lo-fi audio, just like. <laughs> Looks like he's, yeah. he's he's in some sort of what's it, cat Den dj set. Um, anyway, so as as Danny alluded to there, there was only one man that could get us back into the swing of things. Only one man we could talk about, and that is the man, the myth, the legend, the special one, um, enemy to Pep, heir to Louis Van Gaal, uh, the Portuguese. Magnifico manager. I'm trying to think of different descriptive terms, but I'll probably just say his name because I'm running out of them. Uh, Jose Mourinho. Um, obviously, we're going to gonna skip to the end of this episode in terms of where it ends up. He's been sacked, um, as as Jose always is. Um, I don't think he ever leaves anywhere gracious, grace, gracefully, or he hasn't since he was at Porto. Um but yeah, it's it's been a it's been a it's been a rocky time for Mourinho at Roma, um, especially this season. But we will probably we'll probably save that for a bit later in the episode. So let's start at the beginning, and I think Danny has something to say. So we're going back three years, even longer than when we did our last podcast. Um, <laughs> Mourinho's appointment at Roma. What were your thoughts when it happened?
1: Oh, that's taking me back. Uh, it felt strange, but right, because obviously he'd just been off the back of a pretty horrendous time at Tottenham where he somehow made a miserable club feel even more miserable, um, and his stock was falling, and along come this massive club, but a massive club that doesn't really win much, like, they're not, being, they're not a winning team in their history, but it just felt right, like, that's a city that was crying out for, like, a talisman, someone that will, like, ignite a fan base, like, a massive fan base, and, yeah, he came in, and he, it, it just felt right at the time, I think, uh, it felt weird, because Roma don't have a massive amount of money, which I guess we'll get onto, but, Yeah, I don't know how they swung it, but it was ambitious. And look, Mourinho is perfect for Serie A and the whole off-the-pitch stuff that comes with it. So yeah, it felt right at the time, I think, even if it was a bit jarring to see him take a job like that.
0: Yeah, I think Mourinho, wherever he's been, has always tried to culture this idea that he's the underdog. And I think that Roma finally gave him a team, well, over the past few years i mean like tottenham is probably the one where you could most say i'm feel aggrieved that i have to manage this team but he's always tried to culture this sort of environment among the players and among the squad and among around the club that they're always hard done by that they need to fight and needs to scrap the way out so roma seemed like the sort of team where he could do that naturally like even at the, when he first went to chelsea obviously porto's self-explanatory then winning the champions league they weren't anywhere meant to be anywhere near it they were made up of a team of players who were um not seen as star players at the clubs they were at or in the teams that they were at so they were brought in and they were kind of given this responsibility by him um, chelsea in the same sort of bracket um they were obviously the new kids on the block they were trying to make a name for themselves in the premier league and that kind of gelled with it even when we talk about real madrid there has been this case of like he was always trying to say like oh look at us we're so hard done by because everyone's going is behind Pep Barcelona everyone loves Pep Barcelona everyone's giving decisions to Pep Barcelona because that's the thing where it started with the referees and Pep Guardiola was that Mourinho basically went oh they just dive all the time and that's stuck with Pep Guardiola ever since but I do think that the Syria has always been um, the sort of breeding ground for. The best of Jose's antics. Um, I think even the best club in Syria can naturally lend itself to the sort of moaning and complaining that Mourinho loves to do. They can always feel aggrieved by the referee because they've had the biggest refereeing scandal in the history of the football. <laughs> they can always kind of talk about dirty injuries and sort of stuff because every team has it. There's the, the sort of like and there's also like a hierarchy and structure where it kind of goes up and down, so everyone can kind of be the underdog at some point, even if. We even if we go back to his inter team, he tried to make that out despite the fact they won the league under Mancini the year before. But yeah, so when I when I saw the appointment, I was kind of like, yeah, this kind of makes sense. Like I don't know how they've swung it. I don't know how they've managed to get him to convince you there. But it kind of feels like the right team. It's not as much expectation straight out of the gate for Jose to succeed. It's not so stri- or for Jose to come in, win the league, kind of carry on like some sort of um, project or some sort of. Um, momentum, it was kind of just we're we're not really expected to do much anyway, maybe he'll grind us somewhere and grind us somewhere he did that is a strange term of phrase that I've just decided to go with but we'll we'll, we'll, we'll move on obviously we're going to talk about the spending I think in a kind of bigger part across the seasons but the end goal of the spending in that first season was he managed to deliver silverware to Roma and that's probably well it's the thing the man himself hung his whole Roma um t- time at Roma on was this trophy that he won. So Conference League fine on that Conference League won run. Have a little bit more of a talk about it, Danny, I think, is probably I'll, where I'll throw it back to you.
1: Yeah, I think so if we look at like the spending. And his first season is where the spending was, and I think That came from a place where the Roma's Roma's owners have got, like, this guy, Mourinho, who's won everything, has won a treble in the country he's come back to, is just famous for producing trophies, the only club he's not done at is Tottenham, the one before, so he's got a point to prove, and there's also, I think, in the context of the league, Juventus had just come off the back of, of what, nine in a row, eight in a row, and their, their powers were fading. And Inter looked like the team that were kind of coming back into it, but there was like a there was an opportunity there for Roma to to maybe grasp on the fact that it wasn't that strong. There was like a a vacuum at the top where it, like there could be an opportunity for Roma to win the league for the first time since Totti won that one, um, and then yeah. They com they find themselves in the Conference League, which I think it was the first year the Conference League had even existed.
0: Yeah, it was the first ever. Uh, it was the first ever Conference League. It, it was it was such a weird, such a weird experience. Basically, being perpetually on at five o'clock in the afternoon on Thursdays, um, whatever that does for training, we don't know. You can, there hasn't really been that much talk about it from this point forward, especially comparative to the Europa League. But yeah, it was the first year that competition was happening.
1: Yeah. So. I think, so I'll look at the spending first. So
0: We are the doing the spending now.
1: I think it's important for the first season because that's where the bulk of the spending comes from and that's what eventually gets Roma in trouble with UEFA and having to basically skimp on the next two seasons.
0: I'd like to put skimping in aggressive... Uh, quotation marks there as well because as we'll see it's not really skimping is it
1: no uh, it's not if we look at it more but yeah um so they brought in tammy abraham for 41 million euros they brought in kambula from verona for 26 million euros shimuradov from genoa for 18 million Uh, matthias vina from brazil 13 million roger Ibanez. 12 million euros rui patricio from wolves for 11 million and brian reynolds the american for 6.8 million euros and i think that one is more of a owner-led decision considering roma's owners are american so that's 130 million in total they only sold 17 million worth of players but they did shed the wages so like ed and jekyll left after many, many years, but then obviously went on to be very successful at Inter for a bit. Um, so, yeah, they spend far and away more than anyone else in the league that year, like, a ridiculous amount. And if we just leave the league out just now and focus on the Conference League, they find themselves in a competition that is new and is filled with teams that, like, they really should be beating. Like, their budget and their wages far exceed... I think it was every team in that league, bar maybe Leicester, who they beat in the semi-finals. But like, even though they won it, they had some embarrassing like moments along the way. So that there's the six-one.
0: I was literally just against, getting this up with six-one against uh, Bodo Glimt.
1: Six-one against Bodo Glimt in in Norway, which is just far and away Mourinho's most embarrassing loss of his career. He, I think he fell out with a lot of players after that game, as he does. Like, that was a real low moment. But yeah, then they go on to win it. They beat Feyenoord in the final, 1-0 thanks to a goal. And he gives Roma essentially what they've wanted for years and years and years and years. Like, they've not, like I said before, they don't win many trophies. Like, they're a big club, but they're not a winning club. So he delivers, like, this trophy, even though they should win it you can't really use that as a stick to beat him with because, like, he did win it and he provided those fans with with a trophy and, like, a parade and an away trip to... I can't remember where the final was. I think it was, like, Tirana or something in, like, a small stadium. But he provides Roma with a European journey, something they don't get to do often. They obviously made the semi-finals back in 2019-20 or 2018-19, but yeah, they don't get to do that often, and he provides that experience. And I think that, in its scent self, lends it into what happens after because he basically makes that fan base adore him. He created the culture of it's us against the world, and then he delivers a trophy in his first season. He justifies, I guess, spending a lot in that first summer because he's delivered Roma with a trophy. But the league did not go well yeah the
0: league was not it was very clear at, uh, at a point that the league had gone by the wayside in favor of the european trophy which is something that mourinho has done in the past he did it at united um he to some extent did it at tottenham where they were obviously not doing that well in the league but he was kind of basically betting on them winning this trophy that he got sacked a day before the final which is still to this day Immensely hilarious to me. I'm think I think there must have been a clause in there that he got a payout if they won a trophy, because there is no other reason on this earth that they would sack him um, <laughs> right before a final, other than the fact they just hate themselves. Um, but yeah, you look at the were, the thing is, is that I think Roma were at the perfect point of hating themselves enough that basically Mourinho they were they were ready to accept anything. I think obviously um, they'd had. Uh, Spalletti had come back, uh, not as been as successful. He got to the um, the Serie A runners up, but he hadn't managed to deliver the, the a trophy. Um, and then obviously they had Di Francesco, who got into the semi final of the UEFA Champions League, but then that was kind of that that was their peak. Ranieri didn't do much. Fonseca tried to do something, but it wasn't really showing. It was kind of just like it was basically stop start quite a lot. So they were basically like, well, we just need to do something because. All the teams around them had been improving, obviously AC Milan had been improving, Inter had been improving, uh, Juventus had obviously won nine in a row and kind of stumbling but they were still in a better place um, and so other, and other teams had obviously kind of come into the fold and kind of shown that they could do a little bit more and uh, Roma's stature is probably what was at threat so they, they were basically put a lot behind Mourinho. Um, What we'll probably come on to as well is obviously that that Mourinho created heroes of that squad as well, as well as mystifying himself, he probably mystified a bit the squad as well, which kind of, I think, always lends to the fallout with Mourinho later on is that he has a very prone, he's very prone to falling out with the players that deliver him success as well. And obviously it kind of then creates this um, split in the fan base of supporting him because they laud these players that he builds up, but then he falls out with them for completely unexplainable reasons, and then he doesn't have those players to kind of protect him from the flack of why have we got rid of them and why are we playing badly, and so on and so forth. Um, obviously, we mentioned Zaniolo there. That's one of the players he definitely fell out with. Um, Abraham, over the last few seasons, obviously hasn't been in form, but he has also seen seemingly fallen by the wayside a bit in terms of not in terms of not being played, but in terms of Mourinho doesn't seem to be backing him as much as he was um, earlier on in his Roma career. So yeah, we we, we were talking a bit about the league and it is kind of one of those things where they didn't do that well and it's kind of, as spoilers for across the three seasons, they don't really do that well in the league across the board um, for these three seasons. Um, It doesn't seem to be Mourinho's focus. It doesn't seem like they have a good enough squad
1: um. I think that's kind of what it is, is the squad, which shouldn't be the case when you spend that much. But he did actually create a very like good attacking like 11 in that first season. So, like, Tammy had that, I think it was 17, 18 goals. Like, there was talk of him at the end of that first season coming back to the Premier League for 60, 70, 80 million for a team that needed a striker. So, like, he did create this very good team. He Zaniolo had gone through bad injuries. He was back, like, playing really well. Being a creator, scored that goal in the final. Mancini kind of picked up defensively. And as a leader, uh, Pellegrini was great. Like, that team, that first 11 was really good. But then, like, and even then, I, I looked at, like, the expected goals difference. They had the second best in the league behind Inter. That season, but they finished sixth and they were seven points off Lazio, who were fourth. And that's a big thing as well across the three seasons. I know we keep skipping ahead, but he's beat Lazio once and he's never finished above them. And like that really doesn't lend you to Roma fans. And it is part of, I think, the reason in the past week why he's left because they obviously got knocked out in the Coppa Italia by Lazio. So, like, yeah, that I think that was his downfall in that first season is the fact that he didn't have like depth in the squad and also he did, like you say, end up focusing on, okay, we can win a conference league here and that gets us Europa League anyway. And they got Europa League from the league position, but the, by the end of that season, they were very much on their feet and focusing on a hard semi-final against, I think Leicester were still semi-decent back then. I mean, it was a very close semi-final, I think it was... Two one in one of the legs and a draw in the other. So yeah, I think yeah, the first season was good overall. I would say, and I think there were promising signs in the league. So you expect him to then step up then because second season Mourinho is usually the peak of his powers at every club. It's been second season, kind of. That's the theme.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's the thing. Like, well, probably the thing is, is like we're going to go through this podcast and we're we'll talk to him. I think. If you're looking for sticks to beat Mourinho with, you don't have to look far. A lot of what we'll say, probably complaint wise, you've probably heard or you've probably seen the stat plastered on every single media outlet. Like this is, this is not going to be new information because the media loves Jose Mourinho, and as someone who used to work in it, I know that because they know his name gets um, once gets interactions, gets clicks, and so on and so forth. So as immediately as he was sacked, it was the headline of every single paper. So you're going to have heard all the stats, you're going to know it. You're going to know he's hardly beaten uh, any of the top six teams, he's hardly beaten any of the teams that he's basically was hired to try and overcome, and so on and so forth. So it's basically, this is kind of more of a study of just the mentality that Mourinho brought to the team, like, and kind of the issues that brought from a more of a perspective of if you look historically at Roma and what they try and do. This was kind of them trying to get back because Roma have always been the perennial sort of like they're the biggest team because they're in Rome. They're one of the biggest teams because they're in Rome. They're, they're obviously, it's the capital. It's kind of like this ancient team. It kind of it is very big with its history, as we're going to talk about a player um, in a minute, Di who who brought in in the second season. They obviously announced him in like the sort of ancient ruins and showed him, and like people lined this the streets to celebrate it so it has like a fervent fan base and i think obviously it's also had those players in the past that have kind of got people on the feet and shown um what italian football should be and like obviously totti's a very big part of that but they've never really had that stature in terms of competitively
1: yeah so like i think if you look at it in like the context of Serie A, you've got the big three which are Juventus, who have won the most league titles. You've got Milan, who have seven Champions Leagues and are like huge. And then you've got Inter, who are very much a part of that three. They don't have as many league titles, they don't have as many Champions Leagues as Milan, but they are huge. And then there's like a struggle for power just below that, where you have Roma, you have Lazio, you have Fiorentina, you have Napoli have been on real hard times in like the nineties and stuff, but you've had them in the like the Maradona era and then coming back now. So there's like a it's a real struggle for power just behind those big three to to try and compete. And I think for most of like you or my lifetimes, Roma has been that because they had the Totti era, which lasted so long that and delivered a league title back in back in the early two thousands. And then they had the team that finished second, where they had Salah, they had Jako, and they 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 did compete, and they competed in Europe, and they had the famous night against Barcelona. So like, this Mourinho attempt was an attempt to establish himself, I think, again in that like as the fourth team.
0: Yeah, in that league. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah so, I think. Yeah. I think the thing is, is probably the way to say it, and it, and this is not meant in a derogatory term because I need to express that before I actually say the thing out loud Roma have very much lived off this vibe this sort of like they're very uniquely Italian sort of like their culture is very tight knit they're kind of like they're not one of the big three but they could easily break in and they could easily do that and they'll basically take a fight to anyone sort of thing and kind of have that sort of vibe about them and the hope was that Mourinho would build into that and I think the issue is is that Eventually, as it always does, Mourinho's personality and his vibe and his culture runs counter to the club's culture because it's very. Um, I think the thing is 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 especially I think uh, probably the best way of explaining this is United, obviously, United have a very inbuilt culture and a very way they want to play and sort of how they see themselves in the sort of footballing landscape and how they see the club should be run and how the club structured, even like, obviously we mentioned in the glaze, I'm not going to go into all that sort of stuff, but even below that level, there is a very clear way of how people should be treated and how people should act and so on and so forth. And the problem is, is you get Mourinho in and for a bit it works because you kind of have the same goals in mind, but then obviously Mourinho eventually wants to become the culture and i think that sometimes runs very counter to these sorts of clubs and that's probably where it, it it started to kind of fall off a bit at roma and this is kind of where we lead into the second season i think
1: yeah so for just run through the incomings again of the the second season so you've got zeki celik for 7 million which is the only paid transfer they make You've got Sol Bakken, who comes in from Bodo, that Bodo team, for free. I think that was in the January. You've got uh, Nemanja Matic, who's just left United, who arrives on big wages and is old. You've got Andrea Belotti, who comes in for a free from Torino, who is meant to add extra firepower, has been an incredible mid-table striker for Torino, basically single-handedly kept them up you bring in Wijnaldum on a loan deal who, after his Liverpool spell had a bit of a rough year, PSG didn't really make an impact but there is still a player in there and then you've got the one you touched on and probably the best thing that Mourinho has done by the trophy is bring Paulo Dybala to Rome because he obviously left Juventus under annoying circumstances for him, they kind of Played him about with a contract. His fitness has never been the best, which plays into what happens the next two seasons. But the Juventus basically picked to back the Vlavic horse instead of giving Dabala a big payout. So Dabala's unveiled in the streets of Rome to this. I remember watching it when it happened. He's just sitting on the steps watching thousands and thousands of fans like hail him as a god. He had won this the syria mvp i think the season beforehand or two seasons beforehand like just he is just an incredible player and he is one of those players that that will get that reception so they bring that in and then they they do sell quite a lot in that second season but that's because financial fair play has making them it should it should be noted and
0: something that we obviously touched on across this podcast is that syria finances are not very good in general and it is very unlike. As we've noted across like the past few years, the finances getting spent have been much lower, and I think this is the thing. Like, it sh- it should probably be noted that Mourinho spent hasn't spent a lot in the grand scheme of football, but he has spent a lot in terms of the Syria.
1: Yeah, so that that first summer, which we we'll we're gonna end up keep referring back to, basically it limits Roma so much in what they can then do. And even though we're looking at, like, one, two, three, four, five... Like, four free transfers and a couple loans, like, Dybala is going to be on ridiculous wages. Matic will be on huge wages for a 35-year-old, th- I think. I can't remember. I don't know. He was he was old, and his legs were not the best. Belotti is 30-plus. Wynaldum is old. And they're, they're on huge wages. So, like... Yes, they didn't spend the transfer fees, but they did spend a lot of money in getting these players in. And then you look at what happens after that, and I think, to be fair, there's a lot of injuries in that second season. I think
0: there is a lot of injuries. I think one of the major issues is that Mourinho kind of backs the horse of he manages to get Dybala through the door, which is exceptional, but he builds his team as in the rest of the team will do the hard work and the rest of the team will probably... um, Score a couple of goals here and there, but we are a team that is built to service and help Dabala be Dabala. And when Dabala's fit, you see that to an exceptional level and he absolutely carries them. But when he gets injured, as he was expected to, because that's just how Dabala has worked in his entire career, he is unfortunately incredibly injury prone, they completely fall apart.
1: Yeah, and I think the big thing as well is that tammy's goal tally completely falls off a cliff like he famously was like underperforming his xg and it hit like the woodwork a ridiculous amount in that second season like it just didn't click for him and whether that was tactical because Dabala became the main focal point or just maybe a poor run of form like it happens but yeah, they finished. I mean, he threw some chewing that... paper.
0: He threw some chewing gum paper on the steps of uh, the Coliseum and the Roman gods cursed him to be yeah. t- a terrible frontman.
1: Ter- terrible. <laughs> but like, if you if you look at it again, like it's a very up and down season. So it's the first. I looked this up. It was the first time that a Roma team had ever gone unbeaten against Juventus in the season. So they beat them at home and drew away. I think. But then also, it's the season where Mourinho has his bigger ever, biggest ever Serie A defeat, they, they get beat 4-0 away at Udinese, which is just a shocking result. And it's just so up and down, but again, they finish 6th in the league. Again, they're 7 points behind Champions League points. Again, they finish behind Lazio. They would have finished 8th if Juventus had not got that massive points deduction. So they're far off the Champions League again, and these teams that are finishing third and fourth, even second, they're not unbelievable teams. Like Inter, fully focused on the, the Champions League, and we'll get onto why. Ro- obviously, Roma could go to the Europa League final and focus on that too. But it, that Lazio team wasn't—it clicked, but it wasn't great. Milan weren't great.
0: It was that like, that season. Napoli are far and away the best team, and they are far and away yeah, the best team and across it, like that's across Europe, not just the Syria. Like, the thing is, is that Lazio team weren't great. But the thing was, is like everything, everything below him, there was a massive void up for grabs. And even with the limited spending, he brought in bodies for the squad, brought in a, an amazing star player to build a team around. And obviously, there are some factors that we've already explained, but there was there was definitely a, the, if for the Mourinho project to be successful, this was the season where he definitely needed to make a push up the table
1: yeah absolutely and then obviously as i mentioned they go to the europa league final which is huge like that trophy and we're talking like a penalty shootout defeat to god's favorite europa league team sevilla here away from like one of the biggest trophies roma have ever won like and it gets them into the champions league fixes a lot of financial problems and Mourinho was viewed a whole lot differently based on a penalty shootout and that's a game they were leading in and then a game they they conceded an own goal so like that second season I think it is you have to keep going back to the league as to why this is unraveled in the way it is but like maybe and I'll talk I think about about like the tactics of it but like Maybe Mourinho's football is, and maybe the depth of Roma squad just wasn't suited to league football, and it was to the cup competitions, and that's how it played out. But when you have the biggest spend of any manager during your time in that country, you can't finish sixth, sixth, sixth. and then if we skip ahead to this season, they're currently ninth. You can't, that, you don't get away with it for that long, especially when the style of football is not the nicest to watch.
0: I think I said it about Allegri before, and I mentioned it on Twitter, that, that the thing with Mourinho is he's very much like Allegri, where the ends justify the means um, in terms of he, you, you overlook how bad things can be and things can get with him in terms of, the results and the style of football and the, the how he treats players and the constant complaining because I can imagine for some fans that does get annoying where every single week it is just oh it's the referees and you can say oh well it was clearly we just didn't play well enough um, but at the end of it if he delivers you a trophy you're like well kind of kind of all right now isn't it like at the end of the day we have our we have our nice cup final we won it we have a nice parade it was worth it in the end like and so on and so forth but the thing is is that. And this is the thing that it can then just hinge on a penalty shootout, whether that happens, because the fact is, is that that final was not enjoyable to watch from either side. And I think that's the thing with Sevilla as well, is that they play that style of football where the end's just of either means. So when you have two teams that do that, like one gets held as an absolute uh, masterclass and kind of doing everything. And then the other team kind of, all the air goes out of them. Um And I think something I should probably say with the Tammy thing just before, because I just kind of thought about it, is I don't think Mourinho really helped. I think Tammy got incredibly unlucky. Like, we mentioned the hit in the bar, but it was insane how unlucky he was getting. And some of them, obviously, like, you've got to say at some point, he's got to do better. Like, at the end of the day, your striker, it's a massive net. Like, you can't hit the post that many times. Like, it looked like at some point he was trying to do it. Like, um, But at the same time, he, it, it was one of those things where you could see it was quite noticeably getting on his back about it. And I don't think in those situations, the manager that you want to have is Jose Mourinho. Because he definitely, he definitely did kind of just say, kind of start piling on it a bit to when it started to go a bit badly in the league.
1: Yeah, and I think if we look at last season, I think the biggest takeaway from that was Mourinho's behaviour so you have the public falling out with Zaniolo the guy that's like everyone loves him, he's Italian, he's great in Rome scored the goal to win and Mourinho so publicly falls out with him and essentially the transfer window's shut everywhere else. I can't remember, did he block a move to Bournemouth or something Mourinho? And then forces him out the door to Galatas. Right after the transfer I can't window,
0: remember that one? I, I can't remember if it was either they f- it blocked him a move or they tried to force him to move to Bournemouth. And I think they might have forced him like, to move. there. I don't want to move to Bournemouth, which is a, f- a fair response because not gonna lie, if I'm if I'm Italian and I want in, I'm like, oh, where am I going to go for the next six months of my career? Oh, um, a south coast town that's in the middle of nowhere and hard to get to anywhere like proper from it. <laughs> Then it's uh... yeah,
1: and then, and then, uh, I remember he. There was a defeat away at Sassuolo where he basically just went after um, Karsdorp, so much so that Karsdorp like fled Italy and went back to Holland for a bit because it was they fell out that badly, and then you've got Mourinho in public saying. I don't I can I can't be the manager and I also can't be the guy complaining about referees. I need someone else from the club to like speak out and and fight my corner so he's publicly fighting the ownership to the point where after that final defeat he is very openly in the press I think close to begging PSG to come and get him. And I think that did get somewhere and then he must have got assurances from Roma that and the ownership that they would fight his corner and he he stays but like he did very publicly look like he was going to psg that last summer i think this is also so, like, always th- been
0: the thing that basically like there is also the thing around Mourinho, um is that roma is definitely the level he should have been at after what had happened in the past but there has always been a media sort of implication and sort of like this kind of underlying thing that Mourinho. Thinks he's better than Roma, and if another job came his way, say like a Newcastle who have a lot of money, or like because of because of his like little complaints, like oh I don't have enough money to spend, oh uh, the owners aren't backing me, oh and so forth. Like you definitely when like oh Newcastle might be looking for a new manager, PSG might be looking for a new manager, the uh, Saudi Arabian teams are trying to pick up the biggest managers around Europe. That there, the, the, there is a definite chance that his head could be turned and he could just abandon Roma in the middle of. These problems that we're discussing right now.
1: Yeah, and I think that's something he was very aware of and very much leveraged to his benefit. Um, he was very vocal in the press, and I guess we'll just skip ahead to this season because
0: I think I think one thing we fun. needed to talk about before this season, and it was it's kind of in the behaviour comment, is. Mourinho is very smart like Mourinho is probably one of the best managers I've ever seen in terms of how he can handle a press conference he's kind of got a bit worse as it's gone on because obviously he did always have the side of he had the results and as I said the ends justify the means that he could basically complain a bit and then go well look at what I'm doing like I know what I'm talking about obviously when it doesn't go as well it just kind of ends up with him constantly complaining he can't have these little like Nice little moments, little like cocky, little bit of a sort of swami, sort of like a little bit of tongue in cheek moments that he likes to have and had at Chelsea and Inter Milan and at Real Madrid. But and then he started going on about these referees. But then obviously, probably the biggest thing of his behavior and probably something that sh- shocked probably the hierarchy and a lot of the media was how he went after Anthony Taylor after the Europa League final. Um, obviously, he he went in the car park, started swearing and abusing him there, and in general created this all which then led to the Roma fans giving him death threats as he was walking through the airport with his family, <laughs> which got him banned by UEFA.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think that that's what I was going to say. Like you said, he's smart. He's incredibly gifted at coming after a club or, like, the ownership of a club and being very much, like, to the fans, like, I am one of you, I am doing this for you. He's always managed to get, Bar maybe, and you'll be able to come in, and oh, that's better than me, Bar later with United and Tottenham, he's very much been able to get a fan base to buy into everything he, he does, and see everything he does as he's doing this for the club, he's doing this for I us. I think with
0: United and Tottenham, he probably split opinions a bit more, but I think he, he still was successful in, in in convincing quite a number of fans, mainly because it's a very easy target. He 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 knows, he, he he goes into a situation and he knows his best way to deal with it. Like the referees, it's an easy target. If there's a foul that you don't think is a foul, or is a foul that's kind of a bit dubious, or even if it's not dubious at all, this referee the referee is is against us um with united with tottenham they know he knows he doesn't like the owners well the owners aren't backing me enough even though they have backed him and they've got him the players that he wants and they've kind of shown him like that and it, it knows that in those earlier conversations he'll have been told his budget and he'll have gone right okay that's fair enough i'll spend the majority of it now and then the next year he's like well i want that budget again and they're like well that's not how this conversation worked <laughs> like we, 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 we discussed this because of financial fair play and everything that you needed to stick to this budget across the board, but you've gone and spent, what, $40 million on Mkhitaryan and you don't really even like him anymore. Like, you can't go all that way. But he knows his way around a press conference. He knows how to weave in and out of it. And obviously, like I said, the results helped him in that. But that's the thing. Like, in those scenarios, he knows where he can attack and what pressure points to push in order to kind of turn opinion enough on his side.
1: Yeah and just one last point before I move on. I think he also no he got this a lot at Roma. I think he-, he they fully bought into this is when they're like losing a game or things aren't going their way like he'll cause chaos or target a referee he'll get himself sent off. Mancini will start something on the pitch like they'll be very aggressive. And you get like this, they get red cards or Mourinho gets sent off. And then after the game, nobody's talking about the fact that they didn't play very well. Like they didn't create, they were horrible to watch. He's created this thing where they'll talk about, oh, Mourinho's got another red. So I I don't know exactly how many reds he got across his time in Serie A with Roma, but it was a lot and he was in the stands a lot. And he, I mean, he wasn't managing on sunday against milan because he's banned for his behavior so like he was very i don't doubt that he runs hot and that's just part of who he is but i think a lot of it is him creating these situations manufacturing situations in which he can get the fans on side and get them not talking about the fact that his team were shit you know what i mean like it's just i think he's always done that well and he obviously did it way better at Chelsea, where he like got full buy-in and fully developed that situation. But like in Rome, I think he took it to an extreme, and that Roma's fans for the most part bought into it, which is fine. It's fun until it goes too far with the Anthony Taylor thing. But yeah, it's just, I think it's something he did a lot in Rome.
0: Yeah, and I think this is kind of lent into this season. It has just become um, more regular that he had problems this season. So if you want to just carry on about this season, like I think it's just kind of he just he just kind kind of constantly just was going on and on and obviously his signings weren't very good and he kind of just it just it, it very much was as as it's come to be known third season Mourinho. It very much was things have weren't going his way and now it's just everyone else's problem.
1: <laughs> yeah, so we get to this summer and Tammy has suffered another bad injury, so they managed to bring in Lukaku on loan, full wages and a €5.8 million euro fee to Chelsea for the loan, which is huge. There's a lot of money for a loan fee. He brings in uh, Leandro Paredes, who'd spent last season at Juventus um, for something like €2 million, euros, pretty cheap. He brings in Evan Dicker from the Bundesliga, um for free he brings in Renato Sanchez on a loan from PSG promising well has been a promising player for what seems like forever actually performed really well for Lille in the season they won the league but then kind of stagnated at at, up in Paris He signs Hussein Awar everyone's favorite wonder kid who finally gets his move and then he signs Rasmus Christensen who is one of the worst players I've ever seen play in the Premier League quite frankly and he signs Sardar Azmoun from the Bundesliga, so not really any outlay again. But there's big wages in there. Paredes, will be Paredes I think is like the third, fourth highest paid player at Roma. Lukaku will be the highest paid player at Roma. Sanchez Awar, will have signing on fees for Deka and Awar. like it's a lot of money there. And there's there is quality in there, but and I think Mourinho said this at the time. He said. Roma, as a club, wouldn't be able to sign these players if they weren't free, if they weren't injury-prone, which nearly everyone in that list is, to some extent, bar maybe Lukaku. And, yeah, he brings them in. Lukaku and Dybala, promising attack, right? That's that's a very good attack. it? And they, they, they play well off of each other. But, yeah, this season has been really, really, really Bad so far. So they currently sit ninth in the league. They're again 5 points off Fiorentina who's sitting 4th. They have the 4th best expected goal difference in the league. So there's a theme here that they are always playing below what they should. Or like they're not converting chances. But again you said it before. He's not beat any decent team in the league. I think the only one of like the famous seven sisters of Italian football he's beat as Napoli who are just as bad if not worse than Roma this season and had nine men on the pitch when full-time whistle went he's got beat by Lazio twice and like if I just quickly like tactically it's really 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 bad football to watch there's base so they line up in the three at the back they have done in the three years and they're solid defensively. They're a decent defensive team. But there is no cohesive attacking plan other than get the ball to Paolo Dybala and hope he does something special. Like, there's no real progression in the middle of the park. There's no real plan and build-up. It's just, let's hope Dybala stays fit and does something good.
0: Because this, like, this is where, like, Mourinho tries to reset the narrative because obviously this is he gave an interview just before he was sacked and he said um this is us this is Roma you have the most incredible supporters I've ever seen in my life and then you have a manager who when people hear his name they think it's Jose Harry Mourinho Potter not Jose Felix level of demand and expectation shoots up but this is the thing like he's then trying to say oh this is not what I expected but the fact is is like yeah okay you're not winning the league, but you're not also not getting sixth. You're playing terribly in your ninth. And I think you just end up in the situation where obviously it kind of comes to a point where he was acting dejected. He was kind of saying like, he was getting sent off, obviously, as we mentioned. And it was kind of, the team is clearly not operating right. And the thing is, is we can argue all day about, oh, I can't sign these players if they weren't injured or injury, oh, sorry, if they weren't free or injury prone. But at the same time, it's like they obviously had a big sale in Ibanez and that kind of reset their FFP and they kinda of had um I think I think they sold Vina for ten point eight million. Um He still brought these players in and he still signed off on these players. Like bringing in Lukaku, you don't you don't just accidentally bring in Lukaku. Um you don't accidentally bring in Renato Sanchez. I think obviously there is a there is a thing where where it's like you you got these players like you're meant to be able to do something with them,
1: and I think this is something I've seen is that the like fans of Mourinho or people have said he's not the sporting director, he's not the guy's bringing these in, but they're very much the sort of players that he would bring in, and it's very clearly a, targeted at helping him. So like Tiago Pinto is the sporting director who is leaving at the end of this month way earlier, like six months earlier than he should have because it's all gone horribly wrong. It's fine backing your horse to maybe like one, two guys that have huge, huge upside that are injury prone. But they've brought in so many players that are injury prone to the point where it's like you can't play with fire and then shout when you get burnt. Like it, it, this the whole structure has been a bit messy since Mourinho joined and I think it, the root cause is that first something
0: is, is obviously like when we look at it, like Lukaku for 5.6 million on a loan fee and then probably Lukaku's wages like you're not telling me that if you move that financial around you can't find a guy who's pretty good or can get you a couple of goals or even a midfielder who can progress it for like 10 million who's on like 50k a week at most and that's not even like that's me probably even saying too much like 25k a week like there's a lot of good young Italian players and I think this is the thing with Roma is like you see those players and you're like there is no and this is this is leaning on this is not just on Mourinho this is on Pinto as well and this is why he probably leave in there is no ingenuity in those transfers it's just like who is the first name on the market who is reasonably priced and what's good or has a good reputation. Okay, Lukaku, sweet. Okay, Sanchez, sweet. Like it's not really a. There's no real structure to it. There's no real thing. Like Evan and Dicker is a great was a great pickup, and I think at the time I was like, that's a good pickup. He's he's a good transfer. He's been he's been good, and it kind of lends into the fact that the solid defensive unit. But then like you look at like Owar, yeah, he's free, and he probably is on like 100k a week, and he probably got a decent signing bonus. But like he's just he always has his problems, and it's and the things that he does are what Dabala does. So why do you need, why is that the play that you've picked up? Like I know De injury prone, but obviously at is injury prone. So it's like, why have you got two players that are injury prone who are just trying to be your maverick creators? Like it just doesn't make any sense. And I feel like the, you can't completely lend it on the sporting director. Obviously you can't completely put it on Mourinho, but Mourinho has some of the blame there.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think, I don't want this to be like I don't think it's fair to fully go into this and say he's not brought positive so like so there's been like he's brought through quite like a number of young players that have ended up part of the first team which has been good which is not something you usually associate with Mourinho but you've got Zaleski um, Eduardo Bove, are regulars in that team and they're good and that's that's good but then you bring in like it <laughs> The transfers have always seemed a little bit like they're, they've are they not... It, it became very clear about six months, I think, into Patricio's first season that they could do with upgrading the goalkeeper, that he's not the best. They've had a horrible time at right wing-back where they went from Karsdorp, they've shoehorned other people in there, they brought in Rasmus Christensen this summer, that's it's not that good. Like... The, you, you were targeting Paredes, Renato Sanchez, but Brian Cristante's still in there, his legs are going a bit, you're not really got like an anchor to that midfield. Like, Paredes will kick people, but he's not very defensive. Uh, so it so always seemed a bit m- mismatched. And like you said, like targeting Awar, but how do you have Awar, Dabala and Lukaku in the same team? And then what are you doing about the left wing? You know what I'm like? There's no, you're you're putting Zaleski there, who's a young kid and is doing well, and you've also got El Shawari, but Target may be upgrading there. So, like, the whole thing's just been a mess. There's been such, like, there has been positives across the board, but there's, it seems like there's just been, like, little spikes of positivity while, like, a structural mess is going on and a lack of planning, like, a lack of decent squad building, a lack of depth being made lack of cohesion the tactics are just so stale to the point where like watching a Roma game is purgatory it is awful there is no the only redeeming point of a of a Roma game is watching Paolo de Bala and maybe Hoisin who's just came in who again is a weird transfer because you're getting six months of a Juventus player with no option to buy. So you're basically just developing a player for a team you should view as a rival for what? Like that transfer again made no sense. Even if he is a very talented youngster, there's no... Just
0: sign out Juventus' financials if you decide to sell him all the, the, the wing.
1: So yeah, I, th- I think there's a, there's very obvious reasons why marine has gone here. The league performance, where they have underperformed their expected goals and the expected goals against but it's it's the way like visually as well like you can't underperform and play badly and then expect people to to stay with you while this horrible squad has been built with the third highest wage bill in the league behind Inter and Juve but they're sitting ninth it's it's a mess it's an absolute mess and yes he connected with a fan base in no, like this massive mass, like <sighs> Roma are very unique club. Well, they will buy into an individual more than most clubs, I think. So, like you had Totti, who was just like a god from the city, rejected them from, rejected Real Madrid to stay with them, gave it them trophies.
0: like I think I think I wrote an article a while back, um, and and Obviously, he's spoken many times about it, and he said, in some degrees, he actually hated it because it was just it. Basically, everyone tried to treat him like he was just like part of their family, and he was like, "It's a bit weird because it's just it just got very awkward very quickly." It was obsessive. Yeah, it was obsessive. It was obsessive.
1: Yeah. And then there's this void that's filled right there. They need someone, something, and Mourinho is that kind of figure where you fully buy into to that guy. So he connected with that fan base in a way that. I don't think many other people could and definitely no outsider, so, like, non-Roman has. So, he's, he he did create, a, I think, a, a fan... Like, you look at the Stadio Olimpico and it, it's sold out for Roma games every single week. Like, he has created a positive fan culture at the club, I think. And, like, you watch Lazio games, stadium's half empty. You watch a Roma game, it's absolutely filled. They sing. It's non-stop for ninety minutes. It's an incredible spectacle. So yeah, he's there's there there is a lot of good that he's done, but I, you just go back to the fact that the the spending, the wages, and just the you can't get away with with three seasons of horrible, terrible to watch. No lack of any idea of football and expect. People to fully buy in, especially when we go back to the fact that he has beat Lazio once in three years there. And Lazio, I mean, it was embarrassing. Like the other last week was the Coppa Italia where Lazio beat them. And Sarri said, I don't even want to go through in this competition, I just want to beat Roma. And it's embarrassing for Mourinho that, that they then get beat.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think then the question leans on to what next for Roma and what next for Mourinho. Obviously, Roma have uh, gone the tried and tested route that United went of appointing uh, an ex player that everyone loves. Obviously I think that kinda of lends into the fact of it's not no one's gonna get really mad at Daniele De Rossi, are they? Because he's a legend of the club and they love him so dearly and it,
1: it's the Frank Lampard uh at, it's the also Oli- of at United, tip. yeah it's just the Yeah. And um, but like, I mean I think De, Ross- De Rossi's like just below Totti, like but his only, the only evidence of him as a manager is an horrible spell at Spall in Serie B. I was
0: about to say like I couldn't. I was trying to remember what he actually did. I knew he managed um in the Serie B. I just couldn't remember who fought. But obviously, like yeah, like he doesn't really have a good track record, and I think that's and he, he, he doesn't really have that much of it. He doesn't have a track record. He has a thing. He has a single whatever those things are called in train tracks, I don't know. Um, single wooden panel of of spal, <laughs> But like, yeah, but it is obviously no one's not going to get mad at De Rossi. It kind of tempers expectations. Um, and as I, as I said, it kind of lends into the thing before where I said like, Mourinho's culture runs culture to the club and it kind of brings it back to centre in terms of the club can kind of reset. They're not going to spend that much money on De Rossi as a financial side but they also have like a guy who knows Roma lives, breathes Roma um, can be that sort of thing for them and then we look at Mourinho and I don't I just don't know I don't he he obviously Saudi Arabia is always there for him there'll be a club that will definitely just pay him a lot of money just to manage him like and it doesn't really matter does it like at the end of the day like over there results are just absolute Fugazi doing the Matthew McConaughey from Wolf of Wall Street action there. Uh, it's just Ronaldo scores some goals and that's literally all anyone cares about in that league. Like, no one actually cares. Like, and, and even then, when no one actually looks at the goals he scores because they are horrid. But I think international management is probably where I'd say, and I think that's what most people have said. I think Mourinho in smaller doses, cup competition, and also kind of allowing to use that fervor of a team wanting to do well in national football, is probably the easiest way of him to work nowadays because I feel like there aren't aren't going to be many clubs who kind of commit to Mourinho again, especially at the price point that he'll probably want.
1: I agree. I think all the evidence of this Roma spell points to it. It's it's time for international football. You take away the mess he can make squad building-wise... And you put him in a setting where we've seen evidence that he can perform by getting Roma to finals. He got Spurs to that Carabao Cup so also final. less
0: time for him to fall out with people as well. Like, the, the only exactly. yeah, it's only sees him a few times a year. Like, it's, it's, uh, if you and can fall out with someone... I mean, it's Mourinho, so we're, being, we're saying it. But if you can fall out with someone after seeing him for, like, two weeks, then I feel like <laughs> we're in problems much greater than what we we're saying.
1: And he is, like if you like i think he would very much get buy-in from like the fan of whatever country he ends up managing whether it's his native portugal or or whoever i think he very much would be able to generate like that buy-in a culture i think he would suit international football now yeah i think it'll be that or saudi arabia surely because I can't see any top team taking a chance on him now.
0: People keep going on about Newcastle, but Newcastle are way too smart, and they obviously have. And the thing is with Mourinho is it's like when you get him, and Roma knew this when they bought him. Is or bought him, brought him in. Is is, is that it's a three year thing, isn't it? Really, it's a three to four years. You you try and win in those three to four years, and you deal with the mess afterwards. However, you try and figure it out. Like it's not going to be the. It's not going to last, and it's not going to be good afterwards. But you try and generate the thing now and everyone kind of has this thing of oh i can fix him he might stay longer here and he might uh we might be able to build like a big long dynasty but it's like yeah if it's one two years and then it'll mess up after three it's the it's the tried and tested it's the track record and so on and so forth um and he doesn't have that with international football like he he has tournaments every once in a while he can build a team that's kind of the way of football no one watches enough international football to get annoyed at his style of football uh, they just care about whether he wins or not, which fits in with his philosophy. Um, and yeah, it, like I said, he doesn't have to like bring in players or deal with squad building or anything. Like, obviously, like he might annoy some people with his selections, but they usually do mostly themselves. Um, so I think it is a port. Uh, well, I, Portugal would be probably take him in a heartbeat. Um, they probably even sacked. Ma- is it Martinez now? You're Portugal. Yeah, I, I, I don't even know why that's a the thing. They probably sack him and put Marino in in a heartbeat. But yeah,
1: yeah. And as for Roma, I think it's tough. I think there's real structural changes needed at the club. Like, obviously, they won't have a sporting director yet, and it'll be up to him to bring in. But I think it's better to go down the path of young, promising manager if they can like. I don't think they'll be able to get, like, an Italiano or a Motta because I think they're destined for better things and they know it quicker than Roma. But there will be managers out there. Their reputations play...
0: now are much better than they would be to go to Roma. Like the, the Basically, the thing is, is they probably yeah. enhance their reputations by a small amount for a much larger amount of risk than if they just stay at yeah. Fiorentina and Bologna. Exactly,
1: I've... I think Motta's reputation is far exceeding Roma, and I think Italiano as well, slightly less. Is Ro- is Fiorentina a worse place to be right a, a better a worse place to be right now than Roma? I, I, it's very debatable. Like, Fiorentina, the, the, if you Fiorentina. look at
0: Fiorentina, that's exactly how Roma should have been run. Like they don't spend that much on transfers. Yeah, they get decent Italian players. They get decent young players. They kind of look around the market and they figure it out. Like, that is exactly how Roma should have run it. Instead of being like, oh, we don't have to spend a lot of transfers, but we spend a lot of wages. And yeah, it annoys me. Because exactly. I like Roma. I've said before, If you, you can't see my office, but there's a Fantastico Totti poster behind me. There should be a shirt on my wall, but th- that's a story for another day of how that got ruined.
1: Um, I've got to a
0: to- shirt. <laughs> We're both... Totti's holding the keys for Danny. He's got the keys. Yeah. Except it's Daniel De Rossi who's got the keys to Roma. Um
1: yeah so nice we'll finish on that note we'll finish on that note anyway
0: (laughs) uh, we're glad to be back we're hopefully going to be doing this a little bit more regularly maybe it won't be weekly but we'll try and get a little bit of a regular schedule going it's been good talking about Italian football it's been good getting back into the swing of things Uh, as always I've been Casey anything you want to say before we go Danny
1: no, it was good to get in back in the swing of it. Hopefully, we didn't ramble too yeah, much. Yeah, hopefully
0: people don't hate us because we said some <laughs> bad things about Mourinho. I, I think at the end of the day, it's like Mourinho deserves respect for what he's done in his career. But like the fact is, the Roma thing just didn't end well. Is the is the long and short of it? Yeah,
1: I think there was obviously positives there, but I think as a whole, it's
0: experiment gone wrong. Hundred yeah. percent. Okay. Right. Anyway, so I've been Casey. That's been Donny. And we'll see you next time. Ciao.